Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And before we begin, we want to give a quick shout out to new Patreon subscriber, Jason. Thanks so much for supporting the show, Jason. If you want to see how you can support the show and get rewarded with more bloody goodies, make sure to check out patreon.com slash bedisgustingpod. First call. Hey guys, um, just want to say I love the podcast. Um, I just had a question for you. Um, with the um, soon-to-be-returning Joe Bob Briggs, the last drive-in show, was, which is one of my favorites, by the way. Uh, really love it. I was just wondering if you guys had any particular episodes that stood out to you as being your favorites. I, I know they're all good in their own way. I was just curious if you guys had any particular favorites. I don't think that's anything you've touched on on the podcast. would love to hear your thoughts. And again, keep up the good work. Really enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, caller. And I'm immediately going to assume that Xena has one particular favorite episode, but probably oh more than that. You know me so well. Honestly, I might be biased, but I love the episode. <laughs> I love the episode. <laughs> you know, um, with Tammy and the T-Rex, plus the Love Witch, plus, you know, I won an award. And they love my hair whip. Sound effect. Okay, I don't know why I did that with my head. Well, see, see, I need to insert a sound effect in post-production now, and I'm not going to. Like a hair whip sound effect? <laughs> well, just go. a... Whoosh. Good <laughs> well, we also are behind, because we need Xena's little baby wolf howl sound effect, too. Oh, I got a list. Yeah, so many. We need a podcast soundboard. Um, I also love that episode because boy was I giddy when I saw Zena's name pop up on screen. Um I also I feel like maybe it sounds silly, but I love the very first marathon that kicked this entire thing off. Uh summer, July, I think it's July twenty eighteen. The yeah. the one it was not ever really they didn't anticipate it being a show, weekly show. Mm. So it was a one and done planned marathon that went all night and was so mm -hmm. popular it broke shutter oh, so I uh <laughs> i liked the variety i liked but most of all i liked the camaraderie like everybody was super jazzed about that and i love that excitement anything that brings like horror fans together and just buzzing with excitement i i always love um and i i guess in general i like the show i really love darcy as a male girl so shout out to to darcy not that i expect she's listening but if she is i adore you so yeah, and the next and the next bolo needs to go to Megan. Yes, they would never give me a bolo. 
What? Why? No, you're, you're because going to I I am a writer for a site. You know, Xena has Real Queen of Horror, like a separate entity. Like you're also a podcaster there now. You go. I I know, but I feel like with the bloody disgusting brand, they would not. They would. They will give it to the independent people, like coming. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I. It will. Well, I also me. support that. Yeah, <laughs> I I support what it, they're doing. I don't. Ex- I don't ever see myself as contention. But that's okay. It is. I I actually don't. But besides seeing Xena like win the Silver Bola, which I checked out after the fact, I haven't really been paying uh, um, attention to the last drive-ins very much. I've just they fall off my radar. If there's, if you're there's also in bed movie, by the time it's starting. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I have to watch the replays. I couldn't. I couldn't see Xena's award until the replay. Show yeah. There you up. go. Uh, for me, Joe Bob is actually more nostalgia than current because I remember watching the last drive-in when it was on. It was on TNT. Yeah, Monster years Vision. And years that and was years also ago. Yeah, formative for me too. Yeah, that was and for me too, and that was really kind of before I was getting into horror in the first place. Like he was one of the first voices that I saw, in, not only in horror but as a personality. Yeah, because he was super captivating. One of the things that I loved, and I love this about most industries, is like the old stories. I oh, love yeah. hearing about the way things used to be. Not nostalgia because I think things used to be better. Mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated. It's just a history. The, yeah, the starting points, like where it came from, those little behind the scenes things and things like that. And he's such an encyclopedia of that information that, you know, that's as captivating as anything else, which I suppose is part of the hook in the first place. Yeah. All right, call two. Hi, my name is James from Malta, Illinois. Uh, first time caller, absolutely love the podcast. <laughs> and I definitely love the, uh, voicemail message. That is fantastic. Uh, I just had a question. I was wondering what your preference was on, uh, lower budget horror films. I was curious if you'd be more willing to watch them from a previous decade or the modern age. Me, pre- I prefer older cheap budget, but I was curious about what you three thought. Uh, thank you. Bye. Thanks, James. Uh, Megan, why don't you start us off? We're, so we're going to set the bar at about a million dollars or less to be low budget. I know that sounds like a huge budget, but believe me, my choices are going to be way below that anyway. I, <laughs> so what are your, some of yours? I didn't really go through as far as like developing a list of titles per se, I was more kind of approaching like his question on our preference of lower budget as far as like, if we prefer them, I guess at all or modern versus retro. And to Mm -hmm. me, I don't have any kind of budgetary constraints when it comes to viewing horror, like all the more the merrier. Um, I do think that, it's easier to embrace the retro move, like older movies for when it comes to pra- like special effects, special effects, they're dated in general. And it really shows when you have a micro budget or no budget. So I think it's easier to get over that when it's an older movie versus a modern movie uh, where technology is current and, you know, way more advanced. Um, but you don't even really need effects for a solid movie. So, like, the battery is kind of my metric. This That's the one movie that I'm going to cite here because the metric is, or the metric, the, the battery is really just two guys 
stuck in a car for most of the movie, and yet the movie I is still really have good. To see it. It's oh, a really thank good you movie. For reminding me. Yeah, I it's a good movie. That. So creativity is is the most important part. Like I don't care if your movie is huge deep sea deep blue sea money or like i only have 10 grand and i'm going to shoot it on my iphone that's cool Mm -hmm. as long as your story's engaging and you're not biting off more than you can chew i'm sold right so how about you xena um well gosh megan now i'm feel insecure about my answer. <laughs> what? <But> no. <laughs> I kind of uh, went with uh, what are some of my favorite independent like or low budget horror films. So um, I do have a couple like one that immediately came to mind. Last Last Shift. Anthony mm. de Blasi. I like that one. That one is it mainly just had like one location, but it still worked. It was creepy. Um, a very satisfying story that sticks with you. And then also trauma movies like i know there's some it's a mixed bag but there are some really great ones especially some from the 80s um and early 90s some of my favorites graduation day the children death by temptation of course because that movie's my life girl school screamers you know so those uh those come to mind and then even i guess something a little bit more recent um there's this one called voodoo from 2017 and it's actually on tubi and it's like a found footage style kind of thing about this vlogger from Louisiana who goes to Los Angeles to visit a friend. And uh, she was kind of messing around with a married guy. The wife found out and she puts voodoo on her. So it's, it <laughs> is very low budget, but I give them like definitely like an A for effort and creativity because there's like some stuff that's just like, wait, what, you know, but they did their best. So there you go. <laughs> I was thinking the top end of it, I was thinking stuff like um, like The Void mm-hmm. because it was it was a really low budget. But what they were able to pull off with practical effects was amazing. Um, but then uh, one that I love and evidently Google hates <laughs> is The Headhunter on Shutter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whoa. I looked it up and The Headhunter, it had like 163 Google reviews. And it had like 75, 75 or 81 star reviews. Mm. And then the next most reviews were five star reviews. Like I'd never seen that before where the most is a one star review. And then the second most, which was just a little bit behind it was five stars. Wow. So people either loved it or they hated it. <laughs> um, and then the other one I was thinking was Absentia. Oh, um, yeah. Mike Flanagan's first one. Cause that was filmed for like $30,000. Nice. Um, then, you know, as you go for, go further back in time, you have like evil dead, which he was only even able to do because he got dentists to invest in it for like a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, I agree with both of you. It's the story. Mm -hmm. Like absentia, it's not necessarily filmed really well. You can see it's a cheaper movie, Mm -hmm. but if the story's there and the acting is always going to be, almost always going to be on par with budget. It just is and he knows what he's doing as far as his boundaries or his capabilities you you mentioned you know the void and uh maybe even headhunter to an extent i mean the void 
those Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kostansky, they came from a heavy, heavy background of makeup effects and special mm-hmm. special effects. Like they know what they're doing. So, I mean, they broke themselves working around the clock to get those effects for the void. But they also had a background in it. So it's like if you don't, maybe don't do your first feature that's special effects heavy, you know, do mm-hmm. something small yeah. like in a car or, you know, absentia or something. So like that's what I mean. As long as they know their their limits, then yeah. Yeah, it's you standing in your wheelhouse. It's like John Wick was written and directed by the stunt coordinator from The Matrix. Yeah. Like of course, of course that makes sense. Yeah. And that's probably why it's so great. It's like this is what I'm good at. I'm gonna do this. Awesome. Go. Um Know your yeah. strengths. So, yeah. Sounds good to me. Speaking of our strengths, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist, Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, realqueenofhorror.com. And her infinite love for the genre, award-winning, Joe Bob Briggs award-winning. Silver Bolo winner. producer, Zena Dixon. Hi, hey, it's me. <laughs> and I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, that means that I'm feeling just fine after my second vaccination. And we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. We're going to do our quick round the table of the movies, books, games, anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So Zena, what's been filling your heart this week? So I rewatched Serial Mom from 1994 on Peacock. Uh, it's been a couple of years and it's actually last Tuesday. It was the 27th anniversary. So I couldn't resist. I had to watch So the synopsis is uh, she's the perfect all-American parent, a great cook and a homemaker, a devoted recycler and a woman who will literally kill to keep her children happy. So this is a perfect, you know, blend of horror, well, true crime, horror and comedy. So um, there's a family, they live in the suburbs of Baltimore and there's a housewife named Beverly played by Kathleen Turner. She's so awesome. She Mm. is a loving and super organized wife and mother. Um, Her husband, Eugene, he is a dentist and they have two kids together. Chip, played by Matthew Lillard. He's just so wonderful. And he's a (laughs) high school student who also works at a video store. And he's a horror fan. He's just so cool. I've always wanted to hang out with him. (laughs) And uh, then they also have a daughter named Misty, uh, played by Ricky Lake. And she's a little bit obsessed with boys and a little bit insecure but that's okay so anyway point of me saying that is they sound like a normal family even beverly at first she sounds normal but she has a dark and murderous streak um she's also harassing her neighbor named Dottie hinkle and it's over like a stolen parking spot in the past so because of that she sends her like vague threats and naughty like messages (laughs) she torments the woman so bad (laughs) with these outrageous phone calls and you know but that's just like the start of Beverly like she begins to like you know go after basically killing people you know um who 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 does like wrong excuse me who does wrong she begins like taking (laughs) the lives of just people who who's done like her family wrong or they simply just even offended her like white after labor day or something yeah white after labor day you don't recycle like you don't you didn't rewind your tape you know so she's a little petty (laughs) she is she's very petty and then over time i totally forgot about this movie i haven't seen this in like 25 years i was like but no yeah i I do it's been a long time 
it it's it's really just like a really fun movie and then over time like the family because of you know beverly they become like a media sensation um because she has to go on trial for all the murderous things that she's done in the past so if you're a fan of john waters and his work um or if you just like outrageous you know movies and stuff like that that'll make you laugh i think that you'll have a good time with this one so I'm sure that most people have seen it, but it was just like, it was really nice to watch because it's been a couple of years since I've watched it, but I still feel like it's still great. It still makes me laugh. I was still entertained. You know, it's pretty straightforward. Nice. Cool beans. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then the second thing, uh, I it was another rewatch because it was just a week where, you know, I, I watched some new stuff and they really didn't hit too great for me so um but i also wanted to rewatch some things but i watched um their fan aka the fan from 1982 on blu-ray i stole it from my mom so there's a high school student named simone and she has a major crush perhaps an obsession um for the pop star pop singer named r when she finally gets the opportunity to meet him in person she goes for it next thing you know she's in a trance a murderous urge takes over that's bigger than both of them and yeah, it's just crazy. So you know what they say, like you should never meet your heroes or people that you have a crush on, celebrities or whatever, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, they were true about this one, but Simone is outrageous, okay? She's walking around, having an attitude with everybody, wearing leather pants. And, you know, she's she's so obsessed with this pop singer. And she has everything, posters, drawings of him all over her room. She writes him letters. She just fantasizes about him. She can't eat. She can't sleep. She's not doing her homework. There's even a time where she attacked, uh, attacks like a post office worker or like the mailman because he didn't write her back. And it's just like, how is that his fault? (laughs) You know, so, but yeah, it is, this is probably one of the most shocking movies I've ever watched because I didn't really know where it was going. I thought I knew like where it's just, oh, she's obsessed with him. Oh, is she? Hmm. But it's just more of the ending that was shocking uh, for me. And I remember I watched this for the first time, I think it was like in 2015 or 16. And I borrowed it from a friend and I fell in love with it. And then I've been trying to find it on like DVD or Blu-ray, but the price is a little bit crazy. So when I was going through my mom's things, I found it and whoa, I didn't have to pay for it. So (laughs) it's a really great movie. Um, The only thing is just, just being honest with you, there are a couple of things in there that it may make some people a little bit uncomfortable, but that's just like a warning uh, with that. So Wait a second. You watched a movie that would make people feel uncomfortable? I have no idea what that feels like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Spoilers for later? Uh-oh. Well, yeah. This this one is... It's not... Well, I think it depends. Yeah. It's it, it went in a different direction than I thought. And I feel like I'm always saying that, but I think that's like my thing. It's, it's always such a treat when you watch a movie and it just completely shocks you. And still sticks with you. And like I said, this movie was made in the 80s, but it's it's still very just effective. So there you go. What about you, Megan? I feel like I kind of had a similar week with it's like, I love this. This is cuckoo bananas. So, uh, yeah, they're so, so very different. Uh, the first thing is I 
I'm with Xena in the sense that I kind of had a rough week and some stuff that I watched that I'm like, meh. So then mm-hmm. I needed a break from watching and I played a game uh, called What Remains of Edith Finch. I played on Steam, but it's also available on PS4, Switch, Xbox. Um, it came out in 2017 and it's a really short game, like two hours to beat or three if you're super thorough. But the plot is basically, you know, you're... you. Edith Finch, she returns to this colossal family home kind of in the mountainous like lakeside region. Um, and she's searching for answers as to why she's the last one left in her cursed family. She's basically going through, um, you know, gra- it's grandmother's home. And this family curse traces back to when they first came over from Norway. And basically everybody dies except for one person left per generation and and the cycle starts over but grandma like the matriarch would just when somebody died she would seal off their room and just build on top of it like so this house is like crazy gargantuan and so like you're uncovering stuff through the house like reading a diary and then that goes into this playable story about that family member so it's not outright horror in the in the conventional sense um i think it's it's more of a tragic yet darkly macabre story um you know one you're playing as a baby a baby died and it's this whimsical tale of this baby having an imagination of his toys coming to life while mom is arguing with her husband on the phone not realizing the baby's slowly drowning to death and so Mm. it's dark but the way that they yeah. do it is fantasy like um and there's like another story where you're literally playing through an EC comics you know complete with like a tales from the crypt like host and it's really cool and i'm like this is really like exciting and then by the end of it i'm bawling my eyes out Aww. so it's super dark but also whimsical there's very fantasy it's got a little bit of everything but it's very very poignant kind of um observations on death and and family and and what that means so i highly recommend it even if you're not a gamer it's like i said it only takes 20 minutes or 20 minutes two hours but there's not a whole lot of like skill to it it's more like a playable story like a playable movie it was really good so i highly Mm -hmm. recommend that and at the complete opposite end of the spectrum i went from highbrow to lowbrow here uh creatures from the abyss aka plankton i watched this on dvd Uh, came out in 1994 this is my personal summary of the synopsis not imdb five (laughs) idiots get caught up in a storm at sea uh luckily they stumble across an oceanic research yacht and they hop on board it's abandoned and they're like that's cool we're gonna raid the uh bar and the fridge but they don't realize that the reason it's abandoned is because a mutated fish is running amok oh my gosh this is one of the most cuckoo bananas movies i have seen in a long while uh between xena's durfan and creatures from the abyss i feel like xena and i really are meant to host some kind of sleepover late night with the most bizarre movies we've ever found while baking cookies (laughs) this this is a dream i have yes because this this like this movie is so off the wall i just the best thing i could equate it to is something like troll 2 as far as why are you throwing this insanity at me um it's supposed to be a research facility like at sea and i think they end up finding one person left over 
that they call a professor. And there's literally a line in there where I just about died laughing because the guy, you know, they're, they're supposed to be teens. They're like early 20s. And he's like, professor, why did you decide to screw fish? It's okay. It happens. No, what? no, it does not happen. No. <laughs> and then there's another seat like this design. It does if your name is Troy McClure. Maybe. But who does I, I need to know the production design and why they thought that any of this would look like a, a research facility because there's literally a bedroom and there's like a seduction scene that happens between two of the teens that hop on this boat. And it is a complete, like, gray silver room with a giant stuffed polar bear and a garden gnome lamp. But the (laughs) lamp is at the end of his erect penis. What? (laughs) What is this? I... I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's off the wall. Insanity happens. Lots of fish, uh radioactive plankton causing havoc. Um, I'm not going to say I recommend this because (laughs) I can't say it's a good movie, but I was never bored. I think it is the most cuckoo banana movies I've seen in a long time. So, yeah. I hope so. It sounds... (laughs) amazing yeah (laughs) and it's not streaming anywhere and i did think of xena because i'm like i want to see her reaction to this that's why i thought that we need a sleepover with cookies at 3 a.m watching this like cuckoo bananas movies so yeah (laughs) that's what i watched i I can't follow that (laughs) to me But I guess I'll start with your pick. 2006's Behind the Mask on Tubi. The next great psycho horror slasher is given a documentary crew exclusive access to his life as he plans his reign of terror over the sleepy town of Glen Echo. Not the best description from IMDb, but better than last week. (laughs) Megan, why this one? Besides the fact that I admitted that I hadn't seen it last week. I mean, that was a big part. I feel like this is a highly, it's, it's kind of a, necessity if you're a fan Mm -hmm. of slashers and mockumentaries this is a must watch modern kind of masterpiece in my opinion um but i thought you would appreciate the the humor and i thought you would really like the clever kind of dissection of the slasher subgenre and how it starts off kind of found footage-ish but how that changes with the narrative is pretty clever i basically just i knew you would love it if you watched it and it's one of those movies where I, I think I told you, because I didn't, obviously, I didn't admit this on the air last week. I, we, we were talking about this off the air, and that's why you chose it for me. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those that always popped up for me. If I turn on Tubi or whatever, like, it was like, for whatever reason, this was the recommended or the featured or whatever for me. And I never watch it. I'd see the trailer over and over again. I'm like, ah, I'll watch it someday. It's one of those I don't understand why I didn't, and I regret that I didn't sooner, because it is so fun. It's, it, it's, uh... Leslie Vernon, the actor who plays Leslie Vernon, is so good in it because he he has this really interesting take of patience. Mm-hmm. He's an amazingly patient character through the entire thing, even when things are going wrong and you're not entirely sure it's because you plan things for to go wrong or like what level. But he's almost like a sweet, likable guy. He is. Who's just so matter of fact about everything that's going on. He's like, this is just this is how it goes, and like. <laughs> You could hang out with him and have a beer and, you know, might, he might die, but you know, it'd probably be a good time. <laughs> You'll be charmed until you're dead. 
Yeah, it, it's a it's a really fun take. I feel like it's something like this that would have inspired movies like Cabin in the Woods, because it is such a good dissection on the slasher genre. Yeah, within itself, but also like a rationale, right? Within itself, that like makes sense. Like he's like, this is the formula. This is how it's gonna work. And it's also like a mastermind. He's like, I'm playing chess. I know how they're gonna react. Like it's it's like a master class in being a slasher, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which hey, master class. Do a master class on being a slasher. Come on. <laughs> all creative with barbecue and writing and gardening. Slashers. Let's go. Um, high recommend. Yes. Behind the Mask. If you haven't watched it, I feel like I was so behind on not watching it. I'd be amazed if any of our listeners hadn't watched it at this point. But it's on Tubi. High recommend. Then Zena's pick. 1973's The Baby on Tubi. A social worker, still reeling from the loss of her architect husband, investigates the eccentric, psychedelic Wadsworth family, consisting of a mother, two daughters, and an adult son with the apparent mental capacity of an infant. Why, Zena? Why? (laughs) Okay, well, wait. I have a couple of reasons. Okay, Okay. I really needed you to experience that WTF moment. You know what I mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I needed it so bad. I feel like... This is the type of movie that you have to see it to believe it. I I can never explain this movie to anyone. And it was finally my chance to (laughs) recommend it. (laughs) That's fair. And you seem perfect. And plus, honestly, we have yet to have another movie like The Baby. Not from the Uh director, uh, Ted Post, not from anyone. And you know what? I'm just happy that you watched it for the first time, even if you hated it. I don't care. You needed to see it. There's a reason why there hasn't been another movie like it. (laughs) There's a lot of reasons. We need one. We need a well, baby. Yeah. She needs a baby sequel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, honestly, this can't be remade it in can't. this day and age. It, I mean, unless you're, unless you're someone like Tom Six, who does not care what critics or viewers are going to think of the movies that he makes. I can think of at uh, least one filmmaker like that these days that, you know, UA Bowl doing the baby, anybody? You think I mean, you no? Well, not unless they turn it into a video game first. It can be starring Nicolas Cage. He can be- <laughs> Actually, <laughs> he would do it. He would do it. He would totally right? be the baby. Could you imagine Nicolas Cage as the baby? Oh, he couldn't do it because they. Oh well, he doesn't. I, I still have to see uh, uh, Wally's Wonderland, but he doesn't really speak in that, right? No, so. but you should you should tell the plot so people listening can catch oh. up to yeah. why okay. so we're stunt casting. Outside- <laughs> yeah, so outside movie speaker voice. This is, uh, I mean, it sums it up pretty well. So a social worker shows up to this Wadworth family house because, and, and, and they do bury the lead for like the first five or 10 minutes in the movie, like talking about, oh, this is a special case. I'm so fascinated. And she gets in there and there is an adult son in a crib and he's at least in his twenties wearing a diaper, uh, and with all the mannerisms and speech abilities and patterns of an infant. And it's really weird to watch on so many levels because, like, you... (laughs) It's strange because it feels like it could have gone a lot of directions and it didn't go any of them. (laughs) It went in its own direction by the end that had me totally confused. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's twists within it that I don't necessarily want to give away because I want to pass this infection on that Xena passed to me. (laughs) 
for other people to see and be utterly confused about what's going on because it is oddly psychedelic towards the middle. Once the birthday party happens, mm -hmm. I was like, what is happening here? I am so confused about this environment. And why is the social worker okay with this environment? Right? Like this should have, I mean, maybe because it's 73 and rando creepy guy walking up to the social worker saying, I really like your skin while he's smoking a J. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I just appreciate skin. I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's just like, oh, just stop. I'm not interested. Right. And there's, it's like, there's so much rage in this movie. Like oh. whoever was behind like the, the writing of the story, there's a lot of rage. And earlier I was talking about, you know, John Waters. It's kind of mm. like a John Waters movie, but more, but with mixture of like made for TV, you know, like it gave me that vibe mm. because I, I thought it was going to be like a thriller, you know, suspense, you know, type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's very perverted. So it, it is. I mean, lots of content warnings on this one across <laughs> the board. If I mean, I was really uncomfortable watching pretty much this entire movie. Kids, stay out of the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever you were watching. So, I don't know why I decided you now, were watching in your kitchen. <laughs> that said, Zena, you don't have to apologize for this. I'm not upset that I saw it. Like, I saw it and I was like, wow, this exists. This is a thing. <laughs> and it's on Tubi. So the, the program directors are like, okay, this still exists. Like, we can still put it out there. I support your First Amendment rights and all that, I guess. <laughs> but it, it is, it's so far outside my wheelhouse. Like, we've touched on ones that are outside my wheelhouse. This is so far beyond my wheelhouse. I never would have watched it. <laughs> it. It never would have even occurred to me that this existed. Like, kind of. Like, once you know the full premise, you're like, okay, all right, I get this. Mm -hmm. Once you take a step back and realize the twist and everything that's going on, I get it. The approach to it is really uh, uh, not gentle. It's yeah. very heavy-handed the way they, they throw it at you. It's a tough watch. But if you want to see something that you've never seen before in a way that you never thought you'd see it, I highly recommend The Baby. <laughs> because you will not see anything like this on the screen again. <laughs> I, I can't imagine this existing on any level. Um, okay. And I just I don't want to give anything else away. People, if you're curious, watch the baby, but you can't blame me because of all the things I just said. So I needed to cleanse myself a little bit after this, which is kind of ironic because then I watched 20, what I teased last week, 2012's Hellbenders on HBO Max. And I was afraid that both of you had seen it and maybe you hadn't seen it. I was kind of hoping you hadn't, but obviously you two have seen everything. So no, everything. No, I, I haven't seen this one. Yay. <laughs> so. The Augustine Interfaith Order of Hellbound Saints, a team of blasphemous ministers who live in a constant state of debauchery, work to drag the worst demons back to hell. This, I saw the trailer for this randomly because I like Clifton Collins Jr. and I like Clancy Brown mm -hmm. and I love Dan Fogler. And I watched the trailer and I'm like, what in the hell is this? The trailer is so weird. Because the gist of it is, is it's the sect of ministers most of them have been excommunicated or fired from being priests at some point and then reinstated into the augustine interfaith order of hellbound saints and the gist of it is is that they're exorcists who are basically the earth's last line of defense so what they have to do is constantly sin in order to be hellbound 
So worst case scenario, if there's an exorcism that they can't complete and the demon is strong enough and bad enough, they will intentionally let themselves be possessed by the demon and then kill themselves to drag the demon back to hell. So they're sacrificing their own immortal souls to save the earth from these demons. And it is crazy. Like it is Clancy Brown is so obscene and just filthy on every level. It's hilarious. It gets, I mean, it, it kind of has its highs and lows moments, but there are some just laugh out loud moments. And it's actually set up to be a sequel that, as far as I know, doesn't exist. I need this TV show. Aww. HBO Max, make the TV show of the Augustine Interfaith Order of Hellbound Saints because they're so funny. Because most of them, they're trying to sin, break commandments, break the seven deadly sins, but they're not really good at it. So like most of it is just them getting drunk and getting high, but those are just kind of the ones they break because they kind of feel guilty about it and the idea that they actually have to go to hell. Um, It's really weird. It's really off the wall. It's in, it's just about the most blasphemous movie you're ever going to see. <laughs> like dogma got nothing on this. <laughs> so it, it's it's def it's horror comedy like you've never seen anywhere else. Um, have I? So Zena, you haven't seen it. Megan, no. have you seen it? A long, well, it's not that old, but it's been a while. <laughs> I don't remember much except for thinking that this could be a good kind of follow up to or a companion double feature with the Day of the Beast, the movie that I made. Oh, you watch absolutely, movie, yeah. yeah. On the yeah, it's the exact same thread. It's like minister has to be evil to like basically attract evil. Um. Yeah, but Clancy Brown is just so I love him. absurd in it. Just basically just a filthy old man who's also a priest trying to save the world. Yeah, and he's a I chainsaw guess... winner now. I don't know if either of you watched the Chainsaw Awards yes. yesterday, but he won for Mortuary Collection. Oh, he did? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I Which just... Which people uh... probably heard an ad for before this episode. Oh, well, hey. <laughs> no, I, I just looked the movie up and I was just looking at some of the images and just as John, as you were saying, oh, um, Clancy Brown, he's a perverted man. Uh, they, yeah. they have a screenshot of him saying something insane. Yeah, so, he's got a couple of lines in there that are, whoa. <laughs> he is ready to go to hell and he is not afraid <laughs> to admit it. Okay, uh, before we get into the next step, what did we watch and how did we watch it? So I watched Serial Mom on Peacock and Durfan on Blu-ray. I played uh, What Remains of Edith Finch on Steam. And I watched the Cuckoo Bananas Creature from the Abyss, a.k.a. Plankton, on DVD. <laughs> and I watched Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon on Tubi, The Baby on Tubi, and Hellbenders on HBO Max. All right. What am I watching for next week? I already know one thing I'm watching for next week because it just appeared on Netflix and I can't wait. Uh, I'll I'll go first, even though I don't predict that this is one that Xena would recommend. I don't know necessarily that you'll like it, um, but I love it. And I'm putting it on the air so that maybe my cult of Seventh Curse fans will grow. It's the Seventh Curse on Prime Video. It's, is that like a Dario Argento movie? No, it is a oh, Hong a Kong seal. Category 3 movie, but <laughs> it's more to me like a gory in the spirit of Big Trouble Little China. Uh, it's very ooh. magical. 
It is so magical. I love this movie so much. Uh, same director of Ricky O, if you ever have seen Ricky O, which is also over the top. But yeah. Oh, it's got Xena's magical seal of approval. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what's this one on? Uh, it's on Prime Video. I think it's on other stuff too. At Midnight Pulp. I might, I might have seen it on Midnight Pulp as well. Nice. Never heard of it. Looking forward to it. All right, Xena, what's up? Okay, oh, God, it's so hard. Every single time I ask you, "Hey, have you seen this?" and then you're like, "Yeah," and then I want to fight you. It's been twice, twice. <laughs> but I feel I've like it's gonna that. happen again. But I'm afraid if I don't choose it, then Megan will choose it, and then you'll love it, and then I'm just All in right. the dust. So Aww. you're never <laughs> in the dust. Okay. You're a sparkle okay. fairy. Thank. Oh my God, Megan! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> well, okay. I have to, I have a backup just in case. Um, okay. I wanted to give you a movie that makes me smile, but I also want to fight people about it. Have you seen Satan's Little Helper? No. Oh, my God. Whew. Okay. <laughs> um, it is. I didn't want to have to fight you over this. <laughs> it's on. You... Well, wait. Oh, yeah. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube, and it's also on Vudu. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll have to check that out. Satan's Little Helper. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Uh, a really quick follow-up to last week's episode where we were weighing in on that Ghostbusters Afterlife clip that introduced the mini pups. Uh, Bloody Disgusting's mm-hmm. Brad Miska did verify that it is indeed a clip from the movie. It is not really? It is not a random product tie-in. Yeah, nice. that's that's from the movie. So very interesting. interesting. So food for thought there. Um, and then a remake of director Amy, director Amy Holden Jones, 1982 slasher movie Slumber Party Massacre is on the way. Uh, Deadline reported that the project has been set up over at Sci-Fi. Uh, Danishka Esterhazy, the director who did uh, Sci-Fi's Banana Splits remake, is attached to direct for Shout Studios, with the script being written by Suzanne Kelly, who worked on Ash vs. Evil Dead previously. The cast includes Hannah Gunera, Francis Sholto Douglas, Myla Rain, Alex McGregor, uh, and it's a new take that's expected later this year on sci-fi. So probably, my guess, it doesn't say, but my guess is probably around Halloween because that's always the perfect time for all sorts of horror. But the plot is uh, under wraps, but said to be a reimagining of the original, which was produced by Roger Corman, and it followed a female high school student's slumber party, which turned into a bloodbath as a newly escaped psychotic serial killer wielding a power drill prowls the neighborhood. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think this was something that Zeno was very excited about. Did I what, did I, I see your excitement on social media? Yes, I am. Because you know what? Love it or hate it, like the series is here. Slumber Party Massacre exists. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited about it because I feel like this is the perfect type of movie to be remade. Because, you know, Slumber Parties, they still happen. It's still a thing. And I don't know, like, I just feel like there's just so much potential, even with the other one, like, it had, like, some comedy in it and stuff like that. But even with the first one, it's just, like, there's some, there's some parts that will stick with you. So I'm just, I'm really looking forward just to seeing, you know, this new take. This is a good thing. And plus, 
it's great because honestly i didn't see any like negative comments you know how people feel about remakes yeah really mm -hmm. so that's that's awesome i love that they're at least if they're gonna it almost feels like a continuation in a way because they're yeah. sticking with the theme of a female writer and a female director, mm -hmm. which is what the entire original trilogy had. Every single one, you know, I think the first one was written by Rita Mae Brown um, and then, you know, so Slumber Party Massacre 2 and 3, both same thing, female helmed and stuff. So, yeah, I don't it's like you said, it's a pretty basic plot, you know, serial killer with the power tool shows up and starts hacking girls at a slumber party like mm -hmm. that's a pretty basic setup that you could do lots with you could you could stick to the standard or you could go crazy and add some flourishes who knows but we'll see that sometime this year on sci-fi do you have any dog I mean, in that hunt it's gonna be pg i mean it's gonna be made for all audiences i assume right uh i feel like the banana splits had some maybe not all out but i feel like sci-fi can get away with a little bit more yeah, there's some gruesome stuff in that one. It, it seems it, it seems like an interesting uh, uh, forum, I suppose, going to sci-fi versus HBO or Showtime or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, considering, like you said, it was pretty ahead of its time, female written and directed then, I'm pretty curious to see how that translates now, like where they go with it. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll find out. Shot. So, um... And then Mike Flanagan is currently on a Christopher Pike streak. I guess he was on a Stephen King streak for a while, and now he's hopping over to Pike. Uh, while we're waiting for Mike Flanagan and Leah Fong's Netflix series, The Midnight Club, which is an adaptation of a Pike novel, he set up another adaptation of Pike's work, a feature adaptation of Pike's 1993 adult sci-fi horror novel, The Season of Passage. The novel centers around celebrity Dr. Lauren Wagner, who was involved in a manned expedition to Mars. The whole world admired her and respected her, but uh, she knew fear inside, voices entreating her to love them. Outside, the mystery of the missing group that had gone before her, the dead group. Were they simply dead or something else? What a weird plot synopsis for the novel. Yeah. Uh, and the novel is so weird um so flanagan and trevor macy are producing for intrepid pictures and christopher pike will be executive producing the adaptation of nice. his novel so uh, i don't know were you guys rl stein or christopher pike fans growing up i was more of rl stein um i've heard of christopher pike mm -hmm. um but i don't think i read any to be honest i'm not familiar with his work i was always a christopher pike fan um i didn't really i think i dabbled a little bit in fear street but it was always like christopher pike because he writes some insane stuff and it never felt like he was dumbing down like writing to children like the topics mm -hmm. that his books would cover were pretty pretty mature i remember reading one that had to do with like guilt over an abortion or wanting to get an mm. abortion it's like holy rusted metal batman so i basically consumed everything that peaked like Pike put out when I was a young adult reader and I read this when I was way too young and this was his first really kind of horror novel for adults which means that hey sex so the plot and it's been <laughs> and it's been a long time since I've read it but I remember being like what the French toast is happening here because it's like she goes to Mars some crazy stuff happens 
that's basically Life Force-esque with lizard vampires. And there is a rape scene. And then there's like a whole fantasy element with a subplot with her sister on Earth. And it's just like, what is happening? Uh, So I am super curious to see what... Flanagan's gonna do with that. I feel like I probably should reread it and see if it makes a uh, slight more sense to me. But uh, I will never ever forget being a young teen and being like, "Why is lizard thing raping somebody? This is no." <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, he he can he can weave magic. So we'll see. Good job, Flanagan. Um, and then Simon Barrett, who was attached to VHS, VHS 94, which is upcoming. Uh, You're Next, The Guest, 2016's The Blair Witch. She's done lots of stuff. He's making his directorial debut with the upcoming horror movie Seance, which is headed our way next month. Uh, So first, it's coming to theaters on demand and digital, courtesy of RLJE, on May 21st. And then it'll be arriving on Shudder sometime later this year. Uh, if you're curious, you can see a full image gallery and a trailer online, uh, which introduces a cast of characters and setting the stage. Um, it was produced by Dark Castle Entertainment, who previously did House on Haunted Hill, 13 Ghosts, House of Wax, Orphan, and it's their first horror movie in nearly a decade. The film stars Suki Waterhouse as the new girl at a prestigious Edelveen Academy for Girls. Soon after her arrival, six girls invite her to join them for a late-night ritual, calling forth the spirit of a dead former student who reportedly haunts their halls. Before morning, one of them is dead, leaving the others wondering what they may have awakened. So, uh, yeah, Adam Wingard is also a producer on Seance. Do you have a favorite dark castle movie is this the is this exciting for you i love dark castle um well yeah it's it's been a couple of couple of years for me but i really did like you know house on the haunted hill i really love that one yeah with when it comes to this one i first heard the news about it well i love like boarding school horror you know Mm -hmm. there's just something about it that's just a thing that's we need more of it yeah i don't know I'm, i'm really excited about it like if you guys checked out the um the images you'll understand why it looks very dark and mysterious and teen drama (laughs) yeah teen drama are you looking it up now me no john he he, he looked like he was (laughs) are you a fan of barrett or dark castle uh you know dark castle is always going to have a a place in my heart because when i was really starting to really get into horror was like the early 2000s so I was watching 13 Ghosts, which I still have the DVD around here somewhere, and House of Wax, yes. and and obviously a House on Haunted Hill. Like 13 Ghosts, like I love. So 13 Ghosts, my favorite thing of all the things in 13 Ghosts is the special features, <laughs> because they give a backstory to all the ghosts. Yeah, like back when DVDs were really cool, mm-hmm. like back like Blade, like the original Blade DVD. It actually explained all the different vampire houses and like different weaknesses. And then they got to Blade 2. They're like, ah, they're just all the same. It's like, no, they had backstory. They had like, and Did like, you just say ghosts, though, I remember, back like, when DVDs were really cool. Yeah. They're still cool. Sometimes. They don't have the same special features as they used to. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they don't have it. Sometimes they don't. Like, if it's a brand new release, yeah. But like, 
I should drop this little tidbit that I adore. It hit pre-order so fast. But Scream Factory is going to put out a collector's edition of House of Wax in, I think it's June or July. I think it's July. Nice. I hit yeah. pre-order so fast. I almost fast. rewatched it this week. I saw that it's on Tubi yeah. again, mm-hmm. and I almost uh, I almost hit play on it. I need to give it another rewatch because I remember I remember because like that was around the time when Paris Hilton was popular yeah. or like really popular. I don't think she's on the downslope yet. But I was like, oh, God, Paris Hilton. This is going to, like, suck. But I remember the, the movie itself being like, God, this is kind of hardcore. Like, the movie's mm-hmm. great. Like, this is, it is. It was way better than I thought it was going to be. And she was awesome in it, actually. Yeah, I liked she did. Character. She did pretty good, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I like, yeah, I'm all for Dark Castle. And I was going to say, too, even with um with Orphan, I know Orphan's a Dark Castle one. Their yeah. special features are pretty mm-hmm. cool. They give you kind of, like, deleted scenes and, like, an alternate yeah. ending. So, well, boutique labels like Scream Factory and Vinegar Syndrome and Severin, they're keeping the uh, the coolness alive for, for physical media. So they're still cool, just maybe not new releases that don't care. Um, and this is uh, more me news than anything because aquatic horror, I love it. Uh, shark attack movie Great White, an aquatic nightmare starring Tucker and Dale versus evil actress Katrina Bowden, has been acquired by RLJE Films and Shudder. They're on a roll. So it'll come to theaters this summer and Shudder will debut it sometime next year. It's uh, You can check out the... There's a I guess it probably came out in Australia before, so you can check out a previously released international trailer online. Um, Michael Bowen, who was in The Loved Ones, he wrote the script while, or I guess he wasn't in it, he wrote it, uh, wrote the script while commercial director Martin Wilson makes his feature directorial debut. So Great White is inspired by true events, taps into our most primal fear of the deep, and delivers the stuff of nightmares in the form of the ocean's most dangerous apex predator. It follows the story of seaplane operators and lovers, Kaz Fellows, who is Katrina Bowden, and Charlie Brody, along with their passengers, uh, and Cook Benny, who take flight to the picturesque Hell's Reef. It isn't long, though, before their idyllic trip turns into a living hell when they become abandoned miles from shore and in grave danger from what lurks, lurks, beno- bleh, lurks below the surface. So their only chance of making it out alive is to get to the beach. With two great whites hunting them, the odds are not in their favor. So it's another battle for survival. Um, your thoughts on shark attack horror? I mean, there. Are, I feel like when it comes to aquatic horror, shark attack is kind of the most prominent part of that. So, how do you feel? I'm open to it. I'm I'm not too crazy about aquatic horror, but I still love you, Megan. You know, I mean, I'll still like watch it because it sounds interesting, but it's not always like my go-to. Do you have something like what should a shark attack movie do to get your attention? I want to see people like getting their legs and arms ripped off. And stuff. <laughs> that would really like, yeah. Got it. All for it. I I don't know. I know I'm all for aquatic horror. I don't know about shark horror anymore. Like I just don't know where else mm. it's gonna go. Yeah. Like, it's pretty limited. I mean, especially with the insane wave of shark-related horror movies that the Sci-Fi Channel did for so long. Yeah. Like, Two-Headed Shark and Sand Shark and Ghost Shark and Avalanche Shark and yeah, all Yeah, but these they also things. did all sorts of other stuff besides sharks. I, you'd like, they, they started merging animals. Like, oh, yeah. whale, <laughs> whale wolf versus Goliathon or I don't know. 
Remember, was and it I think zoomies? that's kind of my point, though. Is like, I just where is it going to go at this point? Yeah, I want it. I, if it's if they can bring a fresh take to it, again, all for it. But if it's just if it's going to be another shark attack, I'll be like, I might check it out on streaming. But <laughs> I don't know what else you can come bring at this point. I don't okay. know, but I'm going to check it out regardless. Because that what, go ahead. <laughs> well, I had a question about ghost shark. Is it really a ghost? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. They were ghost there's, sharks. there's gifs of it on on like you giffy, like the yeah. of I think there's a gif of a boy going down a slip and slide and getting eaten by a ghost shark. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. See now yeah, I have that's to that's it. about all my knowledge is of this movie. Just so you know, <laughs> that's about all you need to know about that movie. That works for me. All right, listeners, your turn. Excited for more slumber parties? Can't wait for some more great white shark horror? Let's hear about it. The number is 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes. If phones aren't your jam, no worries. If you don't want to call in of your voice on the air or name, that's okay. Or your international rates are messing with you, feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com or keep your eye on our social media accounts for a chance to ask questions. Finally, Zena is going to make all our lives easier and the sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? So, coming our way on Thursday, the 20th, we have the Mortuary Collection. It'll be available on DVD. It's the horror anthology. You need to check it out. It's a good time. It's funny. It's a little spooky. And then also uh, Creepshow Season 2, um, we receive, we get a new episode every Thursday. So it's the anthology horror series based on the 1982 movie. So um, I've been having a lot of fun with this one. I checked out the first season and I like the first season, but there's just something about the second season. You know, they're really coming with, with the stories and stuff like that. It's creepy. It's funny. It's a great mix. And then on Thursday, the 22nd, again with Shudder, Boys from Conti Hell, a crew of hard road workers led by a bickering father and son must survive the night when they accidentally awaken an ancient Irish vampire. That just sounds awesome. So, and then on Friday, the 23rd, Bloodthirsty will be available on VOD. A talented singer starts to transform into a werewolf while working with a music producer at a remote studio in the woods. And then just in case if you guys missed it, the 2021 Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, it is available on YouTube. So you can check it out. It's only like an hour. And it's, they did like such a great job. And something that we, we need. It's been going on since like 1992. So it's just cool that we're still going. Yay. <laughs> and then also uh, Clapboard Jungle is available on Arrow. So it follows the filmmaker Justin McConnell. Um, he's the director of Life Changes. It's like a sci-fi horror really awesome movie through five years of getting his latest feature off the ground and he talks about it all so he gives you the nitty-gritty the not so great stuff sometimes and last and certainly not least bloody disgusting tv there's always some cool things on there you don't have to think about it so live your life <laughs> live it and that's the bloody disgusting podcast for this week everyone if you'd like to read more from megan you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on twitter at haunted meg Zena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and YouTube channel of the same name, or at lovelyzena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod, or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com, or the Bloody Disgusting Podcast on Facebook. And for even more content and rewards, check us out on patreon.com slash BeDisgustingPod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Mm-hmm.